All right. Good morning and good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. We're here, we're awake, and we're ready to get on to Thursday news. How are you doing? Righty. You're all righty. Got a story or? <laughs> ah, you want any headlines? Uh, Fox News and conspiracy theories. Okay. Today on Before Coffee, Britons have more confidence in the EU than Westminster, poll finds. Faith in Bloc higher than the UK Parliament for the first time in three decades of World Values Survey. Fox News aired conspiracy theories against Dominion despite brain room disproving claims. Russian man whose daughter drew anti-war pictures is detained after fleeing. Alexei Moskalov has been jailed for two years after investigation triggered by 13-year-old's drawings. Jenny Thomas-led conservative group report reportedly raised $600,000, but we don't know who from. My name is Brian, the prisoner whose treatment put Switzerland on trial. And weather, another storm is expected to bring more snow and flooding to California. And baseball season starts today on the March 30th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. All right, on to our new first news story. Um, right. Britain's and the EU. People in Britain have more confidence in the EU than the UK Parliament. Reversing a state of affairs that has lasted more than 30 years, research reveals. Since the UK voted for Brexit, the proportion of people declaring confidence in Parliament has slumped by 10% point, points to 22% while there has been a 7% percentage point rise in confidence in the Brussels-based bloc to 39%. So it's 22% versus 39%. Confidence in the UK government also fell from 2017 to 2021. British people are now far more, far, far more likely to have confidence in the EU than the UK Parliament or the government. Oh yeah, look at that. In 1990, it was the EU's confidence in the EU was at 45%, and then it dropped all the way to 20% in 1999. That's crazy. What a graph. It's a crazy graph. The findings in the World Values Survey, Survey, WVS, exploring trust in institutions in 24 nations from Canada to South Korea, are likely to boost confidence among advocates of rebuilding links between the UK and the EU. The former Brexit secretary, David Davis, said the marked shift was probably a result of a whiny, unpleasant, bitchy row in Parliament over Brexit since late 2017, which has been completely unproductive. A bitchy row. Rowell, I think it's pronounced Rowell. The boost in confidence in the U EU also follows a robust response from the EU leaders to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and Vladimir Zelensky's desire for his country to become part of the bloc. Only 24% of people said they were happy that the UK voted to quit the EU, while 49% said they were disappointed. Yes, it's almost like it was a populist 
movement and people were just joining in because look at that bandwagon over there. I want to go over there. They're having a fun time. They have a bus. They have a Brexit bus. Whoa, those guys are so cool. <laughs> look at all the money they're spending. You must be right. Yeah, right? Confidence in Parliament was dragged down by particular low scores among members of the Gen X and Millennial and Generation Z cohorts. You know, people who couldn't vote for Brexit back when it happened. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Uh, with only 13% of people saying they have confidence in the UK political parties, the nation is on par with Brazil, Italy, France, but well behind Norway at 36%, Sweden 32%, and Canada 24%, and Germany 23%. Only Egypt has less confidence in the press than the UK. Wow, the UK does not trust their own press. That makes sense. Most of them are tabloids. The work of Rupert Murdoch. The UK was 23rd out of 24 countries in terms of confidence in the press. Media in Mexico, Italy, Russia, and Brazil all enjoyed more than double the level of confidence. Some institutions fare better, with our court system relatively high, and the civil service coming out much better than our political institutions, said Duffy. The WVS is one of the largest and most widely used academic social surveys in the world. In operation since 1981, the latest UK data shows was collected in 2022. With data for the nations collected at various points throughout the latest wave of WVS, which spanned 2017 to 2022. These trends matter, said Duffy. The pandemic showed how much we rely on public cooperation in times of crisis, with confidence crucial to that, and the review of the Met Police concluded public consent is broken. We need to work hard and quickly to shore up public confidence. Alright. Well, speaking of the media just lying to sheep destroying public confidence in the media. Fox News aired conspiracy theories against Dominion despite brain room disproving claims. This is from, this is from Radar Online by Douglas Montero. A top executive at Fox News admitted the claim that Dominion voting systems rigged the 2020 election should have never aired in the network's fact-checking unit. The brain room determined the claim was bogus, Radar Online has learned. The stunning revelation was made public in undetected court documents during a pre-trial hearing of Dominion's 1.6 billion high-stakes defamation lawsuit against the network playing out in the Delaware Supreme Court. Despite the findings of the brain room's investigation into the conspiracy theory 10 days after the election, Fox News continued to air stories and book speakers accusing the voting machine company of rigging the election against Trump. Fox News tried to keep the brain room's findings a secret, but Superior Court Judge Eric Jam Davis issued an order exposing smoking gun evidence. What's more, another damning admission. David Clark, Fox's senior vice president for weekend news and programming, admitting during his deposition that a claim against Dominion should never, should not have aired. If the brain room had concluded that the charges were in fact false, they never should have been aired, correct? A Dominion lawyer asked Clark. Yes, he replied, according to NBC News. The radar online, as previously reported, Dominion's witness list includes a who's who of Fox News personality executives, including Talking Heads, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Maria Bartomo, Laura Ingram, and Rupert Murdoch. 
Judge Davis has already shown signs that he was getting irritated that billionaires Murdoch attempt to dodge the witness stand to defend his embattled nephew. Mr. Murdoch has claimed that he's traveling in an inconvenience, but I also have people telling me that he's hardly infirm and is able to travel abroad. I think he recently got engaged on St. Patrick's Day, the judge continued, and, and he said he looks forward to traveling between his various residents in Montana, New York, and London. That doesn't sound like someone who can't travel from New York to Wilmington. A Fox rep news said, a rep for Fox News said, these documents once again demonstrate Dominion's narrative reliance on curry pick quotes without context, memory headlines, or distract from the facts of the case. Facts of the case. Okay. All right, that's the story, and it looks like Fox News is totally screwed, but we'll see. If, uh, we can only hope for such a, a great outcome, in my opinion. Um, finally, the end of propaganda news. That would That's my, my goal. Well, my it won't be the end of propaganda news, but it'll be the end of Fox News buying the people, hopefully. <laughs> but We'll see. Speaking of propaganda... <laughs> A Russian man who fled house arrest after being sentenced to two years in prison for decrediting Russia in social media posts following an investigation prompted by his daughter's anti-war drawings has been arrested, his lawyer said. He has been detained. Yes, Dmitry Zakhvatov told Reuters without providing more details. Alexei Moskovyov was sentenced to two years in prison as punishment for his criticism of the Kremlin policies in social media posts. Police investigation investigated him after his 13-year-old daughter, Maria, refused to participate in a patriotic class at her school and made drawings showing rockets being fired at a family standing under a Ukrainian flag. And another said, Glory to Ukraine! The independent Russian news outlet Soda Project reported on Thursday that the police had apprehended Moskalyov in Minsk, Belarus, citing an unnamed source. Soda reported the police had located Moskalyov via a mobile phone in the apartment he was studying, staying in. Moskalyov and Maria had, have been separated since he was placed under house arrest at the start of March, and she was moved to a state-run rehabilitation center for minors with pair... Deni with the pair denied contact. On Wednesday, Moskolyov lawyer Vladimir Bilyenko said he, he had visited the shelter a day earlier, but the girl was not there. It seems that they are hiding Masha, Masha, he told Eugene's France Press, referring to the girl by her diminutive name. He said a lot of supporters wanted to see her too. Bilyenko said it was difficult to predict what would happen to Maria. Moshkotlyov is at risk of losing parental rights in a separated trial due to begin in a on April 6th. The Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov on Wednesday defended the sentencing of Moskolyov, describing the father's parenting as deplorable. But in a letter published on a social media, Maria called her father the bravest person in the world. I loved you very much and know that you are not guilty of anything, the letter read. Everything will be okay and we will be together. You are my hero, it added. Bilyanko confirmed the authenticity of the letter. Okay, so this story is really dumb. Just, just, just keep lying. Just keep lying to everyone. Oh yeah, these people are bad. <laughs> They're all re uh, rehabilitation center for, you know, that's like if I was sent to juvie because I didn't stand up for the national anthem, you know? <laughs> right. Look at, what? Right. We're, we're headed that way. 
<laughs> soon, yeah, soon. All right. Well, in did you know that senators and representatives and uh, federal court judges and everybody has to uh, disclose large gifts that they get? Even their wives? Did you know that? Yes. Even their wives and husbands? Well, the Supreme Court does not have to do that. Ooh. Yes. A but, loophole? Well, they just don't have to get give their well this is a story from Forbes of course it's from general news but Forbes is a conservative paper Jenny Thomas led conservative group reportedly raised 600,000 but we don't know from whom a conservative activist group led by Jenny Thomas wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas received nearly $600,000 from anonymous donors of Washington Post reports latest in a series of controversies Thomas has faced for her work, a right-wing activist that raised the specter of possible ethical conflicts with her husband's work. Proud Sources for Culture of Liberty, which was formed in 2019 and described as tax filing as an informal incubator for ideas across the network of conservative leaders, cultural entrepreneurs, and cultural influencers, received $596,000 between 1921, the Post reports. The payments were funneled through the right-wing think tank Capital Research. CRC is a fiscal sponsorship, according to the Post, which means crowdsources did not have to disclose the donors behind the payment or information about the group's activities and spending that would have been required if registered as a nonprofit. Financial documents cited by the Post do not state how crowdsources spent the $596,000 or if Thomas received any payment. And while CRC's fiscal response sponsorships and provided fiduciary oversight, financial management, and other administrative services, it helped build the capacity of crowdsourcers. Former CRC Chairman Michael Frank told the Post it had no role in raising money on the center crowdsourcing. CRC, a self-described investigative think tank that uncovers left-wing influence campaigns, filed its own amicus brief before the Supreme Court same year as funding began. <laughs> funding arrangement with crowdsourcing began. So you're filing an amicus brief with the Supreme Court and you're giving money to the Supreme Court Justice's wife. That's not a conflict. That could present an ethical issue. Really? It could? Yeah, it has. For that could present an ethical way to walk around the obvious. But really? Uh, Thomas's attorney told Mark told the Post, there is no plausible conflict of interest. Oh, really? There is no plausible? Plausible. Really? Yeah. Not even plausible. Why would a guy, why would a guy's wife getting <laughs> over half a million dollars being influenced on a vote for the Supreme Court? I don't know. I don't know. Does it look good? Does it look good, guy? So, go ahead. You're sorry. <laughs> All right. For my story, we're going to cover an article that's from July 2022, but it's really interesting because it's nice to also show the bad parts of Europe, I should say. Famously, Brian Keller, called Carlos, was tortured in Switzerland by isolation and systematic racism. We are sitting in a visiting room of a small penitentiary in the camp at the 
Canton or state of Zurich, Switzerland's biggest city. It is the first time Keller has met a journalist unhandcuffed and without the division of plexiglass screen. Keller, 26, is a broad-shouldered like, shouldered like his, wait. Keller, 26, is broad-shouldered like his sporting hero, Mike Tyson. After our 45-minute conversation, Keller shows off his fast hands in the prison open-air gym, urging me to film him while he shadow boxes until he slips because he complains he doesn't have the right footwear. I suggest that, given Swiss authorities and tabloid media have painted him as a dangerous, unrepentant thug, a video of Keller's fighting prowess may not make good for PR. He shrugs. He doesn't care what they think anymore. Keller is perhaps Switzerland's most notorious prisoner, his criminal justice case cleaving the nation along racial and political lines to some, including the Swiss tabloids, that pounced with grim fascination on his every encounter with the law. Keller is a monster beyond rehabilitation. To others, he is the victim of a penal system that has degraded him and a racism that underpins many of Switzerland's state institutions. Brian Keller was born in Paris in 1995 and lived there with his Cameroonian mother and two siblings while his father, an architect, commuted between Paris and Zurich. In 1998, the family moved to Zurich, but Keller's parents fought and his mother moved back to France. The boy struggled. He learned German in months but was diagnosed with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, and, his kindergarten only, and he was his kindergarten's only black child. State promises of therapy and special ne lessons never materialized. In 2005, age 10, Keller was accused of starting fires, questioned by Zurich police, and held in closed institutions for nearly a month. The arson allegations was later found to have been false. A 10-year-old put in prison for allegations of starting fires. Nice. Uh, the following year, he committed the first of more than 30 misdemeanors that he kept him in the continued care of Zurich's Youth Prosecution Service until 2011, including a stint of solitary confinement when he was only 12. Ah yes, everyone knows solitary confinement is a useful tool for correcting bad behavior. Uh, it's not, by the way, it's not. It's been found- so many studies have been like, it does nothing. Yeah, 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 it's done. I'm telling the audience, not just you. <laughs> just in case anybody knows. It's not good for anything. It does nothing positive. Uh, at 15, he stabbed an older youth, was convicted of grievous bodily harm, and sentenced to nine months. Since then, Keller has barely been out of the justice system, bounced between prisons, youth, offender institutions, and psychiatric facilities. At various points, he claims authorities have shackled him to gurneys, held him in isolation, made him sleep on cold concrete floors, and forcibly administered medication. Keller attempted suicide in a cell twice while on, while on remand in 2011. After the second attempt, he was taken to a psychiatric unit where he was restrained for nearly two weeks and forcibly administered sedatives. Some months later, a shaggy-haired Zurich youth lawyer named Hansuili Guber stepped in. Guber devised a rehabilitation program, a Sonder setting or special setting for Keller. Authorities had approved such a progressive alternative to prison before, but out of nowhere near the scale or cost. They handed the teenager a city apartment where he lived trouble-free for over a year. He was kept to a strict minute-by-minute -minute regime of tutoring, psychotherapy, and Thai boxing lessons. He was allowed to see friends and family. Correctional officers hailed the experiment as success. Finally, they determined the Swiss justice system had brought Keller a measure of stability. But during a Swiss television documentary that aired in 2013, they mentioned that the Sonder setting costed the taxpayers 29,000 francs, or 20,000 
23,500 euros a month. And of course, everyone was angry about that. Tabloids blacked out his face and gave him the pseudonym Carlos because for some reason they had to be racist and, g and give him a Mexican name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, Carlos is Spanish, Yeah, it's just weird to give him like a very obviously foreign name instead of Brian, which is just like kind of generic European name. Um. Uh, everyone got angry. Lord, we can skip ahead. Pride is the name of our savior. <laughs> everyone got angry at finding out that people spent money to help somebody return to normalcy. Uh, Goober stepped down, and Keller was put back in solitary confinement for his own protection. Okay. For existing. This is for existing, guy. Yeah. We know we're trying to help you, but tell that. We got unpopular <laughs> friends with Because we, we don't have any theory. We just blow with political winds. Yeah. Idiots. Humans have failed miserably. That's not really known. <laughs> so since 2014, he was kept basically locked up, degraded, forced into rehabilitation schemes that just weren't made. And uh, finally, in 2019, Brian Keller decided to finally defend himself and put himself in the public sphere. He wrote letters. My name is Brian. They think th they were worse than animals, read the post. It gives me a mad depression and hate here in solitary confinement. The, the letters were finally a way for him to speak, and people actually listened. The collective big dreams has since started installations in Zurich, including the erection of a mock cell on a busy Zurich square entitled Swiss Quality Torture. How does not only Brian get re-socialized, but also the society that has been torturing him for years re-socialize itself? How can we hold people accountable and have a more forward-thinking view on re-socialization and justice? Keller spent a combined years, three of a combined three years in solitary confinement, a violation of UN so-called Mandela Rule, which prohibits solitary confinement of more than 15 consecutive days. Two psychologists have asserted that his protests and outbursts while in prison are a bulwark against mental breakdown. He was certainly traumatized by the time he left prison the first time when he was only 11, says Niles Melzer, the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, and then they re-traumatized him repeatedly by putting him in, the, in solitary confinement. Um, American yeah. So, Switzerland is now like, whoops, we did a torture. I guess we have to reassess our entire constitution because we did not actually follow our own laws. So, that was just a All fun right. look into how Europe is also not perfect and also this has a prison, racist enforced prison culture. <laughs> On to your story. The seedy underbelly. Yeah. Okay, another storm is expected to bring more snow and flooding to California. Storms continue to surge into California, expected to bring moderate and heavy rain and snow across the northern region of the state, National Weather Service said. The severe weather is forecasted to last from Wednesday to Friday and especially affect higher elevation areas. Where high levels of participation could lead to runoff and excessive flooding in rivers, causing rapid flooding. Total snowfall near, near the Sierra Nevada mountain range could range from 1 to 3 feet. High winds are expected in parts of California, Nevada, Southern Oregon, Northwest Arizona. Temperatures will continue to be below average for much of the West Tuesday through Wednesday with highs in the 30s and 40s for the Northern Rockies, Great Basin, and the 50s for most of California. Some of these highs could meet 
or break the record for maximum temperature on those days. So rain, snow, then snow melts. California has been deluged by, storm, deluged by storms. This winter hit by 12, 12 atmospheric rivers that have led to evacuation orders, rising rivers, broken levees in some parts of Sierra Nevada. More than 55 feet of snow have fallen. The heavy participation in South Carolina drought but has not been enough to reverse decades of water shortage. On Tuesday, California Governor Gavin Newsom requested a presidential major disaster declaration to provide aid for communities hit by the storms. Meanwhile, quasi-stationary or nearly stationary fronts are expected to reach the Southeast Valley early Wednesday morning, causing thunderstorms and rain that can fall one to two inches every hour. This has particularly enhanced risk of flash flooding for the golf course for recently a lot of rain. That's our little update on California getting more and more and more rain and snow. Good, but also Sorry. incredibly bad. <laughs> like, not even good. Not even good at yeah. all. Actually, well, it's nice to have water, but it's not nice. Yeah, to... but it's all it's all just piling up, and it's all gonna run into. It's going to relieve the drought, but it isn't going to end the water shorty. All right. In my culture news, I chose to survive. Jeremy Renner gives first interviews in Snowplow Accident. Avengers star was left in a critical condition after Snowplow crushed him. He says, but I'd do it again to save his nephew. Jeremy Renner is set to give his first interview since he was critically injured in a snowplow accident in January, telling journalist Diane Sw Sawyer he was awake during through every moment and when the 7-ton machine crushed him. Jeremy Renner, the Diane Sawyer interview, A Story of Terror, Survival, and Triumph will air on U.S. in the U.S. on ABC News on 6th April, ahead of the premiere of Renner's new Disney Plus series, Renovations. <laughs> Renovations, that's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, that's great. What? Good job, marketing team, making that title. The Avengers actor is hospitalized in a critical condition with blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries in early January when a snowcat machine ran him over. A teaser trailer for the interview has been released, including the audio of the 911 call made to save Renner's life. The 52-year-old actor is heard moaning in the pain as people tell him to keep fighting. All of it, Renner tells her when he when she asked how much pain he remembers, I was awake through every moment. Renner was trying to help his nephew free his car from the snow near his home in Lake Tahoe. When the snowcat began to roll, the machine crushed the actor as he tried to stop it hitting his nephew. I'd do it again, Renner tells Sawyer. You'd do it again, she asked, incredulous. Yeah, I'd do it again, because the snowplow was going right on my nephew, Renner re replies. I see him in a pool of blood coming from his head. Renner's nephew told Sawyer in the interview, I ran up to him. I didn't think he was alive. Sawyer reads off the list of Renner's injuries, which include the eight ribs... Eight ribs broken in 14 places, right knee, right ankle broken, left leg tibia broken, left ankle broken, right clavicle butt broken, clavicle, sorry, clavicle, right shoulder broken, face, eye socket, jaw, mandible broken, lung collapse, pierced from the rib bone, your liver, which sounds terrifying. The actor reveals that at one point he, he's, he wondered, what's my body gonna look like? Am I just gonna be a spine and a brain like a science experiment? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, 
Miranda tears up when Sawyer says, I heard that you had inside Loingus. You had to say in, to your family, I'm sorry. I chose to survive. That's not going to kill me. No way, he says. I've lost a lot of flesh and bone in this experience, but I've been refueled and refilled with love and titanium. Almost literally, actual titanium. Yeah. Uh, the interview will also include a footage of Renner's physical therapy, including him using a knee scooter to move around. The actor has been using social media to keep his fans up to date on his progress, two days ago posting a video of him walking for the first time with the assistance of an anti-gravity treadmill. When you look in the mirror, do you see a new face, Sawyer asks, to which Renner replies, no, I see a lucky man. What a nice story. Not so nice, but like, a nice ending. He survived with all those broken bones. Hopefully he gets back on his feet. Yep. Well, he has already gone back on his feet. I mean, not just literally. All right. This day in history. Failed assassination attempt against U.S. President Ronald Reagan on this day in 1981. Injured me. On this day in... Sorry, 2003, a law banning cigarette smoking in all places of employment, including restaurants, bars, went in effect in New York City. So 20 years of that. In 2002, the Queen Mother died at the age of 101. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Happy birthday to Nora Jones, born this way in 1979. Celine Dion, born in 1968. Piers Morgan, born in 1965. Eric Clapton, born in 1945. And Warren Beatty. Born in 1937, so he turns a ripe old age of, what is that, 85, 86 mm -hmm. today. 86 for Warren Beatty. You're so vain, Warren Beatty. I'll bet you think this song's about you. Okay. William, and on this day in 1867, William H. Seward, Secretary of State under U.S. President Andrew Johnson, signed the Alaska Purchase, a treaty ceding Russia's North America, Russia, sorry, Russian North America to the United States for a price of 7.2 million. That amounted to about two cents per acre. Don't be surprised if Vladimir Putin wants it back. <laughs> for other reasons. Oh yeah. Well, it was part of the Russian Empire until 1867. <laughs> the Treaty of Paris was signed in 1856, ending the Crimean War. Thank God that finally settled everything forever. Yeah, right? A Dutch painter, Vincent van Gogh, was born on this day. 1853. Gefeliciteerd, Vincent van Gogh. There you go, man. That's, that's how you say, like, congratulations. Yeah, but uh, you missed it. It's right in your backyard, I had to tell you this. Well, you're the guy who does this day in history, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Uh, that's enough. That's all. That's everything. All right. Well, this has been Allison from the Netherlands celebrating the recovery of Jeremy Renner and being not very surprised about Russia imprisoning people for drawing pictures. Hope to see you tomorrow for our glorious Friday and uh, don't get in too much trouble out there. Hey, Mr. Roger for the United States with not a whole lot to say, just um, people stop doing stupid crap. Bye. Uh, sorry for the uh, <laughs> March. 
2023 edition. Bye. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.